I turned on the radio a couple days ago to a station that I listened to as just kind of background music, and I quickly changed the channel because I realized that they've made a seasonal shift. <laughs> and I was not ready for it. I couldn't ho, 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 jingle, jingle, yet. But Advent's right around the corner, and we are, we are looking forward to the Advent series that's coming up that Kristen and our team has been preparing on the names of Jesus as we dive into this beautiful story of the God who comes to be with us, incarnated among us, the one who comes to show us the way to live, that shows us the way to eternal life, that one that calls us to be his people and demonstrates through his life and his death what it means to be a cross-shaped people, a cross-shaped community. Over these last number of weeks, we've been talking about what it means for us to live as a people that are united in Christ, in a world, in a society that is polarized and pulling in different directions, to be united as a people of God, knowing that we are so different from one another. We have different languages. We have different uh, backgrounds and ethnicities. We have different viewpoints on the world. We have different political leanings. Some of you even cheer for different teams. <laughs> and so we have to work at it. Not to make too light of it, but we have learned over these last number of weeks that in Christ... We have been given a gift of unity that we are called to maintain and to work towards as we live together as a community of faith. This morning, as we wrap up this series, I want to turn our attention towards the things that will sustain us in our unity. What is it that holds us together as a cross-shaped community. On the cross behind me, we have this image of this mosaic of all these different shapes and colors that represent each of us coming together, drawn together in the cross of Christ. But what is it that holds us there? What is it that cements us in place? that binds us as a people of God. A few weeks ago, I mentioned a psychologist named Jonathan Haidt who talks about moral influence and moral foundation theory on helping us understand how people come at morality and truth from different directions and it helps us to understand. In his book called The Righteous Mind, he talks about why it is that religion is such a divisive thing for so many people. And he draws an analogy to, fittingly enough, football games. And he uses this image of football 
and particularly college football. He's from a United States context. And he talks about why is it that you have this fanatic following of a particular team? Why is it that we love the game? Why is it that we are so attached to a particular team? Well, he, he allows that it may be for some, some very few interesting people, that it's actually the skill and athleticism of the players, the beauty of the coordinated plays, or even the strategic brilliance of the coaches, and simply the joy of competition that draws people to cheer for their favorite team. But he suggests that that means that that people that approach it in this way have an appreciation for the game, but are not really what you would call fans. Rather, he says, those who make up the fan base, those who are collectively united around their team, are those who are who are drawn together by a particular set of things that they do together. They dress up in ritual clothing, which I've seen some of here this morning. They wear ritual clothing. They eat and drink together in anticipation of the match to come. Tailgating. They speculate together as to what valiant efforts will take place on the field. They chant slogans. Montreal sucks. Sing the songs, particularly if you've ever been to a South American football match, which is a whole different kettle of fish. They are constantly singing their team song, particularly when someone scores. We cheer the successes together. We boo the refs because they're always wrong. And we taunt the opponents After the game, we relive and retell the highlights and commiserate over the failures. These acts together serve to bind a diverse crowd of individuals into a community, a fan base. Jonathan Haidt says it this way, trying to understand the persistence and passion of religion by studying beliefs about God is like trying to understand the persistence and passion of college football by studying the movements of the ball. You've got to broaden the inquiry. You've got to look at the ways that religious beliefs work with religious practices to create a religious community. We might like to think of our beliefs as the thing that binds us together. This psychologist says that's not actually the way that people work. We might think of our beliefs perhaps as the field of play, or maybe these beliefs, beliefs describe the rules of the game, or maybe it's even like the ball that is the point of all of the players and the fans, but what is it that binds the team and its fans together? What is it that binds the community together? It is the shared experiences and practices 
in which persistence and passion are formed and expressed by a people group. Emile Durkheim, in, his, in one of his books, defines religion like this. He says that a religion is a unified system of beliefs and practices relative to sacred things. Beliefs and practices which unite into one single moral community called a church. All of those who adhere to those things. You see, we often make this mistake in thinking that it's our beliefs that hold us together. Rather, I would suggest to you that it is our shared set of beliefs which creates and helps and sustain us, but it is the practices that we share together that hold us and bind us to one another, that create this sense of community in this thing that we call the church. If we focus only on what the beliefs are, then we're missing a crucial aspect of what it means to be a people together. We are not simply a people who believe the same things. We are those who believe and practice our faith together. On a very basic level, we could talk about the things that we share as believers in Christ. We all have a shared experience of encountering the living Christ at some point in our lives. Where our, re- our minds and our hearts realize Jesus is real. His power is real. His love is all-surpassing. And the salvation that he offers me is there as a gift for me to receive. We all share the experience of transformation as the Spirit enters into our lives. And my suggestion is that the extent to which we have experienced the transformation of the Spirit of Christ in our lives determines how fanatic we are about this Jesus that we have come to know And together we proclaim and give testimony to that experience of Christ. As we share this one with one another, we build each other up. We build up the church together and we walk in faith. The Mennonite brethren are known as part of what is called the Anabaptist community. It's a particular kind of theological viewpoint in the world. And one of the interesting aspects of Anabaptism that has been a historical marker has been that from the earliest moments of the Anabaptist movement, we recognize that the church is called to be a visible church, a church that lives out the Greek word ekklesia, called out. They look different, they sound different, they act differently. We are a people whose actions, character, and daily discipleship are inextricably linked with the things that we profess as our beliefs. It's faith and practice together. 
One of the early Anabaptists famously is known for a quote like this. His name is Hans Denk. He suggests this, no one can know Christ truly unless they follow him daily. It's not enough to say, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. The belief translates into a practice of now following that Jesus each and every day, of picking up the cross each and every, every day, submitting our will to Christ each and every day, and walking with fellow believers in the community of God each and every day. A shared practice of this group of early Anabaptists was the shared practice of adult baptism. In the face of intense persecution and suffering, this movement, this community of faith only grew and gained momentum. Together as a people of God, our shared acts of worship weaves together for us a beautiful tapestry of praise and reflection and joyful expression which draws us deeper into fellowship and unity as a people of God. Whether it's as we even experience this morning, the singing of glorious harmonies together, the celebration of baptism, reciting together the shared words of the Lord's Prayer, bringing our offerings and tithes into the house of the Lord as an expression of thanksgiving for all he has done, or as we will do later this morning, sharing in the profound symbolism of the Lord's table together. Worship binds us together as God's people. Another profound shared practice that sustains our faith and sets us as a community in our commitment is our spiritual disciplines of fasting and prayer, reading the word on an individual level, but then coming together to share our lives with one another in shared prayer, in shared study of the word, encouragement and support in our intentional relationships of mentoring, discipleship, and in what we call our life groups as we walk together as brothers and sisters in Christ. This binds us to one another and reinforces our unity in Christ. A characteristic of the Anabaptist theology of which we have been a part is that reconciliation and peacemaking are seen as being at the heart of the work of the church. In a practical sense for us, this looks like moving towards one another when differences would suggest that we ought to move apart. When there are conflicts, we step in with openness and humility, with truth and grace, and with a commitment to the well-being of the other. On an individual level, we do this when we apply the principles that we find in Matthew 18, when sin and brokenness have impacted our relationships with one another. As the wider body of the congregation, it looks like leaning into the hard conversations about what faithfulness looks like in relationship to the challenging context and societal pressures 
of our daily lives. Yesterday, pastors and church leaders from across Manitoba gathered in LaSalle to meet, to discuss, and to discern together around the tensions of differences that we are experiencing within our conference and congregations. This work of moving inwards, moving towards one another when polarization would pull us apart, this is a practice that builds our unity. The very practice of engaging in this work of discernment and listening and wrestling together towards reconciled relationships strengthens the bonds of fellowship that we have with one another. Together as a people of God, shaped by the cross of Christ, we also share in the formational work of proclaiming the gospel, of being on mission together, spurring one another on to love and good works that demonstrate the truth of the inbreaking kingdom of God and the lordship of Christ in our own lives and in the lives of this community of faith. As we share food with the hungry, as we talked about this morning, as we invite neighbors into our homes, as we talked about this morning, as we help displaced peoples find a new home and a place to belong, as we see evidenced among us, as we pick up the trash in our neighborhood, and especially as we do these things together, the bonds that we share in Christ are reaffirmed and strengthened. In all of these practices that sustain our life as a cross-shaped community, we must always keep in mind that our work and our struggle are not about flesh and blood and the efforts of our own hands. Our human efforts do not create unity among us. We have been given the gift of unity. Our efforts with our hands and with our hearts are to be in alignment with the spirit of Christ that is building us up into a temple of living stones in which Jesus the Christ is glorified and worshipped. Similarly, the struggle to remain faithful and to live in the unity that Christ has given us only succeeds when our beliefs are lived out within our daily lives and practices as a people of God. When we do this together, we will be sustained in our faith, we will be sustained in our work, and we will be sustained in the unity that Jesus Christ has given to us through his death and resurrection. This morning, we are going to share together in the symbolism of the Lord's table, where all who have, who have been called from all kinds of communities and places and walks of life have been called to one table, where there is one Lord and one Savior in whom we find our rest, in whom we find our purpose, in whom we find eternal life. Thank <music> you.